are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. You may be seated. I want to get right into the Word of the Lord this morning. There is a Latin word called ex nihilo, which means out of nothing. Ex nihilo, out of nothing. And I believe that when God created the world, he did it out of nothing. And I want to speak on that subject this morning, out of nothing. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of of the waters. There's no argument, no explanation, just a statement. God created. Out of nothing, He created something. He made the heavens and the earth out of nothing. That is a great idea to try to get your mind around, that God can take non-existence and make existence. The psalmist wrote, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. God is powerful, and we serve a powerful God today. If you're not from the Calvary Church, you've come into an environment that believes in a powerful God. And in his powerfulness, he gives shape to that which he creates. He takes the bare and the empty substances and fashions it anew. He takes away the darkness and replaces it with light. Where there was nothing, he puts something. He sees the potential of raw material and makes something quite glorious from it. Dr. Sten... Odin Wald, who serves at NASA Education and Public Outreach Program, said this, experiments continue to show that there is no space that stands apart from space-time itself. No arena in which matter, energy, and gravity operate which is not affected by matter, energy, and gravity. General relativity tells us that what we call space is just another feature of the gravitational field of the universe. So space and space-time can and do not exist apart from matter and energy that creates the gravitational pull. He says this is not speculation, but sound observation. Why would we, why would I cause us to enter into science class today. In 2004, there was a debate 
between several atheist scientists and a creation or a Christian creationist named Kevin Hovind. One of the, the atheists named Renold uh, Schleiter asked Mr. Hovind, he said, I'm confused. Being philosophically consistent and being a very honest person, he said, I'm sure you can tell me where God came from. Ken Hovind answers this, and I want to read this answer for you. He said, the question, where does God come from, assumes that you're thinking wrong. You're thinking about a wrong God because the God of the Bible is not affected by time, space, or matter. If he's affected by time, space, or matter... He is not God. Time, space, and matter are what we call a continuum. All of them have to come into existence at the same instant. Because if there were matter but no space, where would you put it? If there was matter and space but no time, when would you put it? You cannot have time, space, or matter independently. They have to come into existence simultaneously, and this is what the gentleman from NASA was saying. The Bible answers this in 10 words, he goes on to say. In the beginning, there is time. God created the heaven, there is space. And the earth, there is matter. So you have time, space, and matter created. You have time, past, present, and future. You have space, length, width, and height. You have matter, solid, liquid, and a gas. You have these three created instantaneously, and the God who created them must be outside of them to create them. If God is limited by time, he is not God. He uses the example, the guy who created a computer is not in the computer. He's not running around in there changing numbers on the screen. The God who created the universe is outside of the universe. He's above it, beyond it, in it, through it. He's unaffected by it. And he goes on, he says, your question, where did God come from, is assuming a limited God. And that's your problem. The God that I worship is not limited by time, space, or matter. If I could fit the infinite God in my three-pound brain, he would not be worthy of worshiping. That's for certain. So that's the God that I worship. Who's the God that you worship today? Is he limited in any way? Around 55 A.D., Paul would stand in the city of Athens, Greece, on a large rock hill called Aragopagus, Mars Hill, that overlooks the city. Kristen and I and about 80 other young people went on a missions trip to Athens in 2010. Caitlin Sizemore was there, Alex Shirley, Olivia Henry were there from the Calvary Church, and we had the opportunity to visit Mars Hill. And so that's us standing there, and I had the opportunity to read out of Acts 17, which I'm going to read 
before you on this hill. You can see out over the horizon. What I'm looking at as I'm reading is the shadow, and in the shadow is a great Parathon uh, temple behind me or in front of me. And this is what Paul would have seen when he was standing there. And it would have been an intimidating environment as he stood there on Mars Hill looking at this great temple. And he was surrounded not only by this temple, but as you walk up to that hill, there are ruins of gods and sculptures and idols of gold and stone and wood. He would have been surrounded by it. And he was invited to speak to a group of philosophers and religious thinkers. And he says, the scripture says in Acts chapter 17, 21, that they gathered together there and they would spend time there doing nothing else but to hear or tell something new. And so Paul stood in the midst of this group and he said, men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with man's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundary of their dwelling so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own prophets have said, for we are also his offspring. We realize today that And I want to affirm to you today or propose to you today that you are not here by accident, that there is a creator, a creator of the universe who stands outside of our time, who stands outside of what we know as life. And he is above all, through all, and wants to be in us all. It is good for us to know, too, that we are not the creator. We take credit for making things we didn't make. We're going to say today, somebody's going to say, I made the chicken for you today. You didn't make the chicken. You prepared the chicken. (laughs) The creator made the chicken. You may say, "I I made this piece of furniture for you. You didn't make the piece of furniture. You just took the ingredients the creator had prepared and you put it together. We're not the creator. And what we understand about the creator is that the true sense of the word creation is that you took nothing and you made something. It's that ex helio power. It's that out of nothing power. 
We serve a God without of nothing power. The God that we say we worship in our songs is a God who is, has an out of nothing power. I'm not sure if you appreciate that today. I'm trying to appreciate it. I'm not sure if I've got my brain around it. But I understand that God specializes. He excels in taking nothing and making something. That's why I worship him as the creator. He is the creator of the universe. He took nothing and made something. I'm here today. I stand before you today, not just because my parents got together, but because a God took nothing and made something. Oh, hallelujah. And he deserves that type of worship. You see, the only thing we can create that God cannot create is sin. In God, there is no sin. Neither can God sin. But the Bible says that Adam and, Eve sin, Adam and Eve brought sin into a sinless world. Romans 5.12, therefore, just as through one man, one man, sin entered the world, and what happened? Death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because now all sin. See, sin is worthless. It's valueless. To eternity. It's valueless to what God created and intended for your life. Matthew chapter 16, 26 affirms this for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? See, sin causes us to make a big deal out of nothing. Sin causes us to make a big deal out of literally nothing. Sin's end game is nothing. Sin's pot at the end of the rainbow is nothing. Sin's prize at the end of the game is nothing. Sin is an unending carrot in front of the horse. You will never get to what sin promises you. Sin is nothing. It creates nothing. It never satisfies. Always promising, but never delivering. Romans 6.23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death. Nothing. Back to darkness. Back to a, a voidless situation. Back to nothing. That's the end game of sin. Proverbs 27:20 20 says hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. In other words, sin is never satisfied. It never quite gives you what it says it's going to give you. And so because of our sin, we are reduced to nothing. Death, nothing. Isaiah 64, 6 says, but we are like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness is as filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, 
We disintegrate into the ground and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. First Timothy chapter six, Paul told him, he said, for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. But we serve a God with out of nothing power. We serve a God of out of nothing power. Job chapter 26, 7 says, he stretches out the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. Psalm chapter 16, verse 2, oh, my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. I have nothing to bring to the table. I have nothing to add to the equation. I have nothing that I have done to deserve the grace of God, except unless an out of nothing power comes in my life, unless a God who can take something out of nothing and make it into something, do I have an opportunity to be who God needs me and wants me to be? Oh, hallelujah. God does two things with nothing. He forms it and he fills it. In Genesis chapter 1, God showed up in a formless void and dark place. He forms it and then he fills it. He formed the earth and filled it with plants and animals. He formed the heavens and filled it with stars and planets. He formed the seas and filled it with living creatures. God forms and then he fills. And even when it came time to create man, God proceeded in the same manner. The Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground. He brought out the man and began to form him out of the dust of the ground. But then he said, there's something else that needs to happen. I need to breathe into him the breath of life. God formed him and then he filled him. There's no second guessing what God is about. There's no mystery about God's intention concerning his creation. He takes the formless and the empty and makes something quite distinctive and beautiful out of it. And even after man has sinned, God demonstrates his out of nothing power, his ability to form and fill out of nothing. In the book of Ezekiel, you see this, Ezekiel chapter 37, the hand of the Lord, the Bible said, came upon him, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and God set him in the midst of a valley, and it was full of bones. It was empty. It was worthless, powerless. It was nothing. Then he caused me to pass by, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of Man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord, you know. And again he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall Live. I will put sinew on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I 
am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. And indeed, as I looked, the sinew and the flesh came upon, and the skin formed them over. They began to be formed together. They began to be connected. But the Bible says there was no breath in them because what God wants out of nothing is to form it and then to fill it. And so Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 9, he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded and Breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. It's this out-of-nothing power. Ezekiel would go on, and he said to them, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost. And we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves. I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves. He will open the graves, and then he said, I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I have performed it. Can I remind us today or tell somebody for the first time, you need to know that we serve an out-of-nothing powerful God. A God who can take the things in our life that seem like they've died, that seem like they're gone, that seem like they're hopeless, and he and he alone has the power to bring it to life. He and he alone has the power to speak to the grave. He and he alone holds the key to death and to Hades. He alone can speak to your circumstance and speak something that you thought was nothing and thought was lost and call it up and call it out of the grave. Why? Because he's an out of nothing kind of God. God knowing that sin had again created a world formless, void, and dark. We live in a broken, a crumbled, a ruined, a burned up, burned out, strung out, corrupt, and nothing kind of world. But God said, I'm not going to just leave you to your own uh, uh, tragedy and your own despair. I'm going to provide an out of nothing power to you. So he said, this God who is out there, outside of time, space, and matter said, I'm going to come into time, space, and matter as Jesus Christ. I'm going to come in the form of a man. So God uses every law of nature, every law of physics, every law of government, religion, and culture. He uses astronomy, biology, psychology, anthropology, and theology, and he enters into this world of space and time and matter, and he says, 
says, I've come to make some things new. I know you felt bound by what you see. I know you felt bound by the things that are controlling you. But I've come to enter to give you new life so you can have life and life more abundantly. Oh, hallelujah. He hijacks, he literally, God hijacks every natural and human law and steps into a nothing world. He steps into a world that's dead and he begins to speak life into a dead world. Oh, hallelujah. Isaiah prophesied about it when he told the children of God, for thus says the Lord, you have sold yourselves for nothing. You have sold yourselves for nothing. And I want to preach to somebody today. Young people, help me today. You've got to realize this world has no attractions that are worth it. It's a nothing kind of world. Don't sell yourself to nothing. Don't sell yourself to sin. It's not worth it. But what Isaiah says is although you've sold yourself to nothing, he says, you shall be redeemed without money. You don't have to pay for it, but the God of all creation is going to step into space, time, and matter, and he's going to redeem you. He's going to give you the opportunity for a new life. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I, I hope you understand the type of God that you serve. You serve an out-of-nothing, powerful God. When the angel prophesied about Jesus in Luke chapter 135, he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Just like at the beginning in Genesis, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One is to be born, will be called the Son of God. Isaiah would call him the Redeemer. And then a couple verses later, I know I'm going to stretch this verse a little bit, but let me have fun with it for just a moment. The angel said, for with God, nothing will be impossible. For with God, nothing will be impossible. In other words, it's impossible for me to show up and not deal with the nothing. For with God, nothing is impossible with him. For with God, nothing will be impossible. He said, because I alone have the power to make nothing into something. Nothing is literally impossible. God can't show up in your life and you remain nothing. God can't show up in your existence and you remain the same way you've always been. But he's an out of nothing kind of God. When he shows up, it's impossible for you to be nothing. Oh, hallelujah. That's the type of God that we serve. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus would say that to Nicodemus. I've come to the formless and the darkness. 
when the, the Nicodemus, the Jewish leader, came to Jesus, it's interesting, he came to him in the middle of the night, trying to hide who he was, trying to hide the fact that he was coming to Jesus. But Jesus said to him, unless one is born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can I enter? A man be born when he is old, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. It's this out of nothing that you're a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And after Jesus died, the disciples were hopeless. Simon Peter said to them, and I, I, I think he had a good idea. He said, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we are going with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. They were living in a perceived nothing world. There was nothing good happening in their life. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and, and they caught a multitude of fish. That's what Jesus does. He shows up in those nothing moments. He shows up in those moments when you thought everything was lost and everything was in despair. And he says, have you got anything for what you've been serving? Is there anything that you've got for the life of in your servant? No? Then let me tell you, I'm an out of nothing kind of God. I'm an out of nothing kind of God. I can take your nothing moment. I can give you a word and it can change your situation completely. Oh, hallelujah. Out of nothing. You can stand with me this morning. The disciples it was clear that God wanted to do something new in their life. See, when he ascended into heaven, he told them, go to Jerusalem. The Bible says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. A sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and it sat upon each of them. He said, I'm not just going to form you. I'm going to fill you. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Yeah. 
They were all filled. It was a new way of living. This God who was outside of space, time, and matter, came into space, time, and matter, went back out of space, time, and matter. But he said, I'm not going to just leave you to yourself. He said, I'm going to form you, and I'm going to fill you. And so when those around them heard them speaking in other tongues, said, what is happening here? Something strange is happening. Peter said to them, repent. Repent. Turn from your sin. Turn to the God of all creation. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is to you. Those I'm talking to today. That's what he was saying. I'm talking to you and this promise is for you. But it's not just for you. It's for your children. It's not just for your children. It's for all those who are to come. My spirit. God's spirit is available for you. We could take the descriptive words of the opening of Genesis and apply them as a description of human lives today, formless, empty, and in darkness. It is a true description of humanity without God's creativity. Formless, empty, dark. The description of humanity without God's creativity. We try to substitute and try to stand in the place of God. We try to be as creative as we can be. Try to be as creative with our situations as possible. Dealing with them as the best we know how, as with as much knowledge as we know. But you can never really be who God created you to be without the creator's hand on your life. You need the creator's spirit. Just like in Genesis 1 when the spirit hovered. Just like over Mary the spirit hovered. Just like the day of Pentecost when the wind and the spirit hovered. We have to receive his spirit to be who he wants us to be. No shape or meaning to life, unfulfilled and going nowhere. That describes our culture. Despair and sadness permeating every aspect of life. That describes our culture. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God forms and God fills. The old song said this. Some of you will remember the words to this song. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, Christ 
understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something. He made something beautiful out of my life. Formless, empty, broken. It's okay. We got a God who specializes in the out of nothing kind of things. We serve a God who can fashion lives anew. On Tuesday, you're going to get to hear from some individuals who God has fashioned their life anew. In this room today are full of people who God has breathed into them. God has formed them. And what they were previous resembles nothing to what they are today. Why? Because we serve an out-of-nothing kind of God. And unlike the nursery story of Humpty Dumpty, who could not be put together again and left in pieces, we can be formed. We can be filled anew. God can take the broken pieces, the broken up dreams, and the broken up lives and recreate them into something, something out of nothing. Do you believe in that kind of God today? Lord, I pray right now in this room. God, I pray for an eternal perspective today. I pray for an eternal perspective today. God, I pray that you would speak life today. You would speak hope today. You would speak strength today. God, to those who maybe are facing some kind of situation in their life that looks hopeless, that looks like nothing. When they look at it, it's burnt to the ground. When they look at it, it's ruined and rubbled. But Lord, today, you're affirming your word that you are not afraid of nothing. You are not intimidated by the things in our life that look hopeless. But in fact, when we turn to you, God, those things that are nothing can become something. I'm praying somebody today would lift their hands to you and say, God, we need you. God, I pray for relationships in this room. I pray for individuals in this room who maybe are struggling, God, with something going on that feels hopeless. It feels like it's the end of the rope. I'm praying, oh God, that you would speak life. God, they would surrender to your spirit. They would surrender to your hand. They would surrender to your creativity in their life. God, you alone are the creator. You alone are the one who can take nothing and make it something. Oh God, we look to you. God, and if our life is okay and our life is every, everything is fine, I pray there would be something in our heart that would worship you as the creator of the universe. Our heart would praise you for you have fearfully and wonderfully made us. Oh God, you are worthy of all praise and glory. I wonder if somebody would just step out of your pew today 
as a sign to God, as a, a, a moment of hunger and acknowledgement to the Lord. Lord, I'm bringing nothing to you. I'm bringing maybe some empty vessels to you. I'm bringing some things that don't really have a lot of meaning to them, but I'm bringing them to you. I want somebody to step out with courage today. I'm praying for somebody today to step out with courage. The Lord's going to change something in your life. The Lord's going to change something in your life in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, I pray. I pray, oh God, your spirit would come alive in us. You would baptize somebody today with your spirit. Baptize them with your power, with your love. Jesus, you died on the cross for us. You died so we could be transformed into something new. God, make us into something new today. Make us into something new today. Oh, hallelujah. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.